You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for the West Side Community News at Forbes Sports, and today it is game day. Pacers-Pelicans should be a fun one. Last Pacers-Pelicans game was a doozy, but a very fun one if you are a fan of the Indiana Pacers. Uh, and then we're going to talk all-star fan votes returns. We got the first round of returns from fan votes, see where the Pacers stack up, what it could mean. And I want to talk about something the Pacers have struggled with, defending big wings, some potential maybe solutions they have on their own roster, and what they can do if it gets to a desperate situation. But let's start with a team that does have a big wing, the New Orleans Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans are an interesting team this year. They're 8-12 and 12 right now. Uh, they've won three of their last five. Their, their, their fans and media people are feeling a little bit better about the team than they did as recently as like 10 days ago. But they're still 8-12. and 12. They're still kind of limping 14th in the West. They're 15th in offense and 24th in defense this year. So really nothing has worked for this young group so far, which is pretty interesting. I like the makeup of their roster this offseason. I thought Zion would improve quite a bit. But they just haven't really had the shooting and creativity to get guys who aren't their two stars going on a night-to-night basis, and Eric Bledsoe hasn't been the point guard they wanted to be. And when you don't have the point guard and you don't have the fit, nothing's going to really fit. You're just kind of throwing it to your forwards and hoping something works. So, like, if you take a look at their just general shooting stuff, they take the 23rd most threes and hit the 27th best percentage. So just awful shooting from deep. And then they take the 11th most two-pointers and the 10th best percentage on those. So they're not really efficient from anywhere. They get a ton of free throws up, but they suck at them. They're 29th in the league in free throw percentage. So really there's no easy way for them to get lots of points, right? Zion's a beast, right? He can just truck around guys and stuff like that. But he's kind of like Giannis, right? He's rim only at this point. He's okay from three. Like, yeah, okay, he's shooting 36%. I think he's taking like 10, like whatever. You know, I, he's not a shooter. Zion Williamson is not a shooter. I will hear no other arguments on that. Ingram is great. Ingram's really good. He's he might be an all-star again. Uh, the Pacers did a pretty good job with him the first time. He was 12 for 31. He had 31 points, but he took 31 shots. That's t- terrible. Um, he's been solid this year, though. 23 points on just normally like 17 and a half, 18 shots a game. Uh, but he's kind of one-dimensional in that he's not a super awesome creator for others. He's actually first on the Pelicans in assists at 4.7 per game. They they just don't really have like the 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 sharing of the ball that other teams have. Uh, they're only they're actually 18th in assists in the league. Like they they you know everybody has their hand in something uh, with the assists. They have like every, basically everyone in their rotation averages like two to two to five, but they just. They don't have any top-end heavy create for an others guy. You know, Lonzo was supposed to be that guy, Lonzo Ball. He has not been. He's actually on the trade block, uh, according to many reports. So the Pelicans just are kind of stuck with, like, Zion and Ingram do your own thing, and the Pacers just really need to, to zone in on those guys, right? That seems obvious. Those, those are the stars. The rest of the guys are ancillary guys. But the way their offense is where, you know, it's, it's kind of spread out, but they don't really, like, have a, like, set up another guy kind of guy on their roster. It really makes – the Pacers' ball-stopping ways kind of work. You know, it, it they, they got lucky to win in overtime, if we're being honest, the first time. They got incredibly lucky. But they only gave up 106 points in regulation, right? Their defensive scheme was was truly pretty good in that game. They did a good job shutting down Zion. They had a few guys on him. I think Sabonis is the best choice uh, to guard Zion with Turner on Adams. And then they had Brogdon on Ingram at times at um, most of the time, actually. And then Justin Holiday was a lot as well. Uh, Justin Holiday played 
45 minutes, remember, in that overtime game. And since he's going to start, I'm imagining he'll be on Ingram this time. But just they have the options there. And then you know, Lonzo hit four of six threes. If he doesn't hit four of six threes, the Pels offense really craters. So I think the Pacers have what it takes to match up with this Pelicans team that, again, is kind of limited in the way they can create baskets pretty well. I think they've got the one-on-one matchups down. I think they've got the scheme and, and style down since they like the ball pressure. Uh, Lonzo's a guy who could end up killing them, especially if the Pels actually get some cuts going or some back screens with Adams. But um, unless unless someone starts just, just nailing threes, I don't. I, which, by the way, JJ Redick also in the trade block is out of their rotation, right? So it's not going to be him. Pretty much the only option is Josh Hart or or, or Brandon Ingram as starts drilling threes. So it's unlikely they have like a a, a knockdown guy. They they could, but if, if the Pacers are able to, you know, keep their ball pressure up on Ingram and Zion, I think they can have a good game. Something that killed them was offensive rebounds. Though the Pelicans had 16, 16. That's absurd. You can't have that again. Uh, they got out rebounded by 15 in a win, right? The fact that they gave up 16 offensive rebounds and only gave up 106 points again. Their defense was just really good. Like the score, giving up 118 doesn't seem like it, but Pacers played really good D that first game against the Pelicans. Anywho, you got to do better on the glass with Adams. That's a lot on Turner. That's a lot on Sabonis. Um, but, you know, no one does a great good job on Adams. They've got to do a little better. Turner only had two rebounds last time. But really, I think the Pacers' key here is offense. Like <laughs> that sounds dumb. Like score points and you win. But uh, their defense clearly has a plan that can work against this Pelicans team. They're kind of limping. They don't really throw it around too much. The stuff the Pacers struggle with won't be a big deal. But they couldn't really like Vic kind of carried them right in the fourth quarter. They couldn't really get anybody else going. Sabonis finished with with only. This is crazy. That's how good Sabonis has been this year. Only 19. Uh, Turner hit some big shots down the stretch to get to 17. Uh, but they got nine from Justin Holiday in 45 minutes, six from McConnell. Jakar played had seven. Aaron Holiday started only at three, right? So I th- I feel like with Lamb back they'll get a little more there. Uh, but they shot really really well from three and really poorly from two point range the first time, and they only got 13 free throws up. So if I'm the Pacers, my strategy with Lamb back is I'm just gonna attack the rim like crazy, right? I'm gonna have Brogdon attack the rim, whoever's guarding him. I'm going to have Lamb attack the rim. I'm going to use Sabonis just as much, if not more, than last time. Try to draw more fouls. Try to initiate a little bit more offense because they, they tied the franchise record for threes. Like they, they've show, they showed they can move it around against this Pelicans team, and this Pelicans team gives up the most threes in the league at, at 41.3 a game. So I think they'll be able to get up a bunch of threes again. I don't think that will be a problem. Sabonis is going to be a good three-man for that kind of stuff. That should be easy. They got to hit him again. Uh, 42.2% was crucial in winning last time. But to set those up, again, you got to be driving. You got to make the defense collapse. They don't have any really good one on one or awesome defenders. Uh, so make them pay and try to get to the line. You know, try to draw those fouls. Lamb will help a little bit in that way. He's done much better at that this year than he has in pastures with the Pacers. But uh, none of it's going to matter if their D doesn't work. And it, it can, again, I, I really believe in their defensive strategy against this Pelicans team. And I think that. Because of that, I'm picking a Pacers win in this one. I think that they can force the ball out of the hands of guys like Ingram and Zion just enough to keep them arrhythmatic the whole game. Uh, and you know they 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 had 31 and 24 last time. I'm not saying like the Pacers defense on those guys was so awesome or anything like that. But in an overtime game where they both played a ton, right? Ingram again, 31 shots to get 31 points. He was a minus six, and Zion actually really had a nice game. He was a plus 18. They lost an overtime game, and he was plus 18. Um, but they again, he was nine of nineteen from the field. If he didn't just dominate the offensive glass, which he always does, but uh, they could have done better on him. So I think maintain the ball pressure, keep attacking the rim, and the Pacers can win this game. They, they've shown that they can beat the Pelicans, even if Vic was playing last time, which 
makes it a little bit harder to digest what happened last time and apply it to this time. But I, I think we've seen that they have the game plan to do so, and Lamb's giving them enough that that even if they are truly, you know, they, they have one less guy or like a half less guy, whatever you consider the difference between Vic then and Lamb now. Uh, they have the less guys, but I think they can pull this off, and I think they will. Uh, they need a bounce-back game again. Um, we, we've seen, like we talked about way earlier this week, they don't really have long losing streaks ever, and they typically respond well to devastating losses. They responded well to that Philly loss with a huge win over Memphis. I think they'll respond well again to this Bucks loss and have a good showing against the Pelicans, maybe even carry it against the Jazz as well. But it is a weekend game. The Pacers have sucked on the weekends this year. We'll see. You're going to put your money where your mouth is, though, and bet on this game. I highly recommend going to the Locked On Podcast Network official gambling partner, betonline.ag, Super Bowl. Again, two days away. Uh, I believe the Chiefs line is minus three, minus three and a half. Uh, don't quote me on that. You can check yourself, though, at betonline.ag. You've got all the NBA and college basketball stuff going on. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account there. Use the promo code Locked On. You'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action and do not forget use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus that's one word locked on with your first deposit betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts so let's talk about defending big wings and that seems like a very broad topic and it kind of is but we go through this season with the pacers and i don't necessarily think their wing defense has been like it's been pretty bad. I, I was about to say something that wasn't what what the point I was getting at is. It's like the, given the personnel, what I was trying to say is given the personnel they have, like the guys that, that, that they are choosing to do this with, like, okay, sure, they're doing the best they can without guys like Warren and I guess Lover, but he's not going to really defend wings. But, you know, without Warren, who really was a big factor in this last year, and the way that the way they play defense in general, like the, their personnel really limits them here, but – this season, we've seen many times in losses that they just the other team has a large forward who plays with some some oomph, uh, some some oomph that really really kills them, right? So their first loss of the season, Boston Celtics. Tatum was that guy who did it that game. Then they lost to the Knicks. It was Julius Randle. Then they lost to the Suns. Uh, that game, actually, the Suns did not really have it. But Mikael Bridges, they they normally don't have one, but Mikael Bridges was it that game. He really played well that game. Harrison Barnes was it when they lost the Kings. When they lost the Clippers, it was Kawhi and PG. When they lost the Mavericks, not really anyone in particular. Luka is is large and powerful, but he played more guards. So that's their first exception to the rule so far this year. Toronto, it was OG Ananobi. He had that 30-point game. Charlotte, I guess you could say it was Hayward, although I think they just shot the lights out that night. Um, Philly, Tobias Harris just bullied them in the post all night long. And then Milwaukee was Giannis. So you can rattle through all their losses except for basically one uh, and and figure out uh, and pinpoint, okay, they struggled with it in this game, and they ended up losing that game. So what's going on here? Well, one, I think I already said this a little bit. T.J. Warren is out. T.J. Warren is so key for this kind of stuff. And last year, they used Warren as, like, borderline Swiss Army Knife level defender. He, when he would start, would sometimes defend, like, your dames and your staffs and your D-Lows or whoever the Warriors had a point guard last year. Man, that seems like forever ago. And then when Brogdon was back or Depot was back, whatever, he would go. He would be guarding power forwards and the, and these these guys that I just named, your Harrison Barnes, your all that, right? He he was crucial for that kind of stuff. He actually guarded uh, B-ball index as a stat. You should go check out the B-ball index. They have some awesome stats of tracking basketball. 
But TJ Warren guarded the other team's like highest usage player a lot last season, like fifth most in the league, I think. I, I don't quote me on that. Go check it out yourself. But that you know he does that kind of stuff on defense. So I think that again, given the personnel, they're trying to make up for the loss of him and like. The, the next best guys for this, it might be like Sabonis and Sampson, and neither of them are really that good defending away from the rim. Turner's an okay perimeter defender, but he doesn't have the power to keep up with these guys. That's the same problem Justin Holiday has. He's also a pretty good perimeter defender, but it's just kind of skinny and weak. And they don't have anyone else who is capable. Lamb has the size, is also not strong enough. So they, they Brogdon has, this, has the girth, but isn't as quick. So they, they, they lack a lot. So, like, when they go against Giannis, to me, the options are Brogdon Sabonis. And I think the Bucks are really unique. Like, a lot of people are arguing Turner should be on Giannis just so he's guarding the rim instead. And I get that. Uh, I kind of disagree with that. I think the cross-matching is just too weird that way. You're putting Sabonis on either Brook Lopez or DiVincenzo. Either one of those I don't think makes any sense. And then you're having Brogdon either on Brook Lopez or DiVincenzo. So anyway, I'm talking too much here. Um but I didn't like – anyway, I think Sabonis and Brogdon are their two best options to defend fours. And that's that's kind of weird, and that, that doesn't work. So what options do they have on the roster? Well, one, I, I think you got to try Brogdon on fours more. I know he didn't do particularly good against Giannis, but I thought their first quarter defense on Giannis, which was more Brogdon than anyone else, was the best. And they, they tried like Lamb and Justin Holiday. Those guys didn't work. They tried Turner. Turner got bullied in the paint a few times. That didn't work. They didn't have any answers. Lamb is definitely not the answer. Justin Holliday can be but isn't. I would try Brogdon on more fours if they're able to, right? Like against this Pelicans team, what's stopping them from going like Brogdon on Zion or Ingram and then just moving everybody else up a position? Justin Holliday is now on the point guard or the shooting guard, whatever. I don't care. Like, <laughs> that makes sense to me. And you make Jeremy Lamb guard the other guard and boom, your cross matches aren't too crazy anymore. So it's a little tough, a two, because they have two centers. So if you move Brogdon up to the point where he, he's defending a four, now one of Turner and Sabonis is guarding a three, and that probably is untenable, which is a little risky. But again, I think in the right matchups, my first idea is, like against the Kings, I would have probably eventually put Brogdon on Harrison Barnes. Um, that kind of stuff makes sense to me. Option two to me should, and this this is the one that makes more sense cross matchup wise Sabonis should always be on the powerful guy. Right, like he can't guard Hayward, but Zion should be Sabonis. I think Giannis should have been Sabonis, uh, personally. Uh, that kind of guy. The guy who can't shoot as well makes a lot more sense, but technically if they're just a power forward by trade, I think it should be Sabonis on them. Option three, if, if they can't get anything else, like maybe at some point this season they have to, they, they have to sniff around. Uh, they have to sniff around adding someone. I don't know if they will. I don't – let me phrase that. I'm almost certain they won't because – I mean, that guy wouldn't play, you know, like uh, the, like that's that. I don't know. Like to, in my head, I was going to talk about here. OK, maybe you sneak five minutes for a Jakar game. Just just bang bodies with the other guy. Not all is, is fine and dandy, but OK, maybe then Goga's not playing. And a lot of you will say that's fine, like whatever. But I think Goga developing is more important than a short term def- defense on power forwards in 2021 and. Uh, it's hard to find the right guy to steal minutes from if they want to do it. Because Jakar is kind of what they need. Jakar can can kind of do it. He's got the stock and the speed to defend those guys capably. But it's hard to steal the minutes with a guy of his quality who's really limited on offense and, and can't do a whole lot. And there's not if, – if you find a guy who can play defense on these big wings, he typically, if he's good on offense, is too valuable for what the Pacers are asking anyway. So I really, really doubt they make an acquisition. But I think they have to maybe get gimmicky with Jakar at some point if Sabonis and Brogdon can't do it because 
I don't think anyone else on the roster. They got to try. Like, I get why Justin Holliday is a common choice, too. He's a good perimeter defender, but they're just so locked into either a very limited option or some crazy gimmicky cross matches, like last night, again, two nights ago against the Bucks, that they're just kind of stuck uh, at times. And when Warren comes back, a lot of this will be solved. I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know if that's even going to be this season, but when he comes back, a lot of this is solved and the roster conundrum is a little bit eased. But the fact that they're so reliant on one guy, make, it makes it such a complicated and tough issue. So those are my two cents and my potential solutions. I'm a little tired, so sorry if that was all rambly. But that's that's what I think about that. And, you know, Zion and uh, is a tough one. But the Jazz don't really have that guy. Uh, you know, they've got Gobert, but Royce O'Neal is not a guy with the ball. And Boyan doesn't really have the power. So two games in a row, one will see it and one we won't. Uh, but the team that doesn't have it is supposedly better. So it'll be interesting to see how the Pacers fare here because maybe they struggle more with the Pelicans because they have a kryptonite style of player, but the Jazz are a better team. So we'll see. This weekend we'll be telling as usual. Um, but one more break. we got to talk about all-star fan vote returns. I probably won't do too many segments on stuff like this, but this this first one is uh, going to be about the first round of returns and then kind of evergreen thoughts on what you should think about these because they're important. People get really mad about these. So – Let's do that. But first, two things I got to talk about. First one is, if you can hear my cat screaming through the door, uh, is Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars out there. I can't talk about these guys enough. They have 18 awesome flavors of protein bars that are delicious. They're all 100% covered in chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. I've tried all of them. I really genuinely enjoy all of them. The peanut butter one's really good. German chocolate's really good. Double chocolate's really good. And they also have fruit flavors, orange is really good. Raspberry is delicious. Uh, apple almond crisp, really good. You just got to try them all. Uh, they're great for the health conscious guy. They're, again, delicious. Great way to maintain or lose weight. They're low calorie, low sugar, but high protein and high fiber. Just check them out. If you go to builtbar.com, all one word, use the promo code locked on, also all one word, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And we're also going to talk about rockauto.com, another place. They need to check out if you need parts for your car because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's so hard to get what you need at the traditional chain front store. And you got to deal with all the questions from the guy behind the counter and be intimidated and not know what you really need or what the problem really is. And you could just order the parts yourself. If you have a computer or, or internet, just go to rockauto.com. Boom, you're good to go. They're a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for two decades They'll have whatever part you need from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got all sorts of stuff you could possibly need. And again, it's delivered directly to your door. Their catalog is unique and super easy to navigate. You can quickly see everything you need. And best of all, their prices are always reliably low. So why would you spend twice as much in the chain store when you could get it for cheaper at rockauto.com? Go check out what they have for your car or truck. Right, Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. They know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, fan voting. What a mess. Um, <laughs> that's dramatic of me to say what a mess because let's talk about what, what what the results here first. So this is the first returns of fan voting. I think we'll get one every like five days or a week or something. It's going to be often because they decide all-stars like in 12 days or something. It's really not that long from now. So they announced the top 10 in just fan votes. They do not announce the coaches or media votes all-stars they do the top 10 in each conference by position so first of all the fan vote counts 50 percent for the starters of the all-star game the other 25 percent is media and uh coaches respectively okay 
So if you're top one, two, three, whatever in fan vote, it doesn't actually matter. It, it could matter. It's really helpful, but it doesn't actually matter that much. So the Pacers get one guy on the list in the East front court. It's Sabonis. He's seventh. He's behind Durant, lock for All-Star. Giannis, lock for All-Star. Embiid, lock for All-Star. Tatum, lock for All-Star. Bam, lock for All-Star. And Jimmy Butler. What the hell? <laughs> so that's where everybody is up in arms. Uh, he's seventh there. Brogdon does not make the cut. Turner does not make the cut. I did not expect either of them to be on these lists. The guards, Brogdon's definitely one of the ten best guards in the East this year, no doubt. He's probably been better than Simmons. He's definitely been better than Westbrook. He's definitely been better than Derrick Rose. He's probably been better than Levine. Those four guys are on the list. But that's not what fan voting is. So let's talk about what this means. First of all, it does not decide anything. It's not a lock for who starters are. Okay? So it's not even a lock for who all-stars are. Because your name is on the list does not give you hardly any advantage over another guy. If you're someone gimmicky, kind of like Jimmy this year, who's missed a ton of the season and hasn't actually played that well, or Westbrook, same deal, you know, this isn't actually a big deal unless you're, like, number one, right? Right, right. like, when um, when Zaza Pachulia was really high up because his entire country is voting for him, like, yeah, that could have caused a riffle, but he didn't make any all-star teams, right? Fan voting really does not have that much of an impact. It's only for starters, okay? Uh, but it's kind of weird that this is a part of it because, like, being an all-star is an incentive in a lot of guys' contracts, so relying on a popularity contest seems a little odd to me, but that's what this is, okay? You should not read these lists where Sabonis is behind Jimmy Butler and Brogdon is not listed as top 10 in the East, and say, oh, my gosh, this th- this is what the NBA thinks the rank of these players is. This is insane. Like, what a joke. No, no, no. This is a popularity contest. There should be – like, I used to get all worked up about this. Like, oh, this is so stupid. I can't believe the NBA is publishing. Like, what – you know, no. That what, the, what this is a list of, and this isn't just popularity. There's a little bit of skill blended into this, right? Like – Jeremy Grant's 10th in the East front court. He would not have been on there if he wasn't playing amazing, right? He deserves that, okay? No doubt there. Uh, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, CJ McCollum, both on the top 10 guards in the West. They're both playing amazing this year. If they weren't playing amazing, they're probably not popular enough to make the list, right? That kind of stuff. Christian Wood, same deal in the in the West front court, okay? So, like, yeah, there's some amount of you have to be playing well this season, to get the votes but 90 percent of this is a popularity contest probably 80 okay 80 percent of the fan vote is a popularity contest it's like it doesn't matter it, it i wonder i don't remember exactly where zaza finished i wish i had that in front of me to really hammer home um how how meaningless this is because like it, it, it's really helpful for the guys who like it might be close to you being a starter or not on your all-star team like Giannis versus Embiid could end up being a thing that matters I guess a little bit or like Bradley Beal who didn't even make the all-star team last year he's first in east guard voting okay so like th- that might matter for him okay I have it up now 2017 Zaza was at the top of fan votes he was number one <laughs> that is crazy to me. Like, oh, he was number two. He was behind Durant. Okay. And he didn't make it. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't look at it as a definitive rank. But if you want to be an optimist or a pessimist, whatever, Brian not being there sucks. He wasn't going to be a starter anyway. That's all that's matter. If you want to be an optimist, hey, look at Sabonis. Seventh in the East. The six guys ahead of him are the are six of them. Of the, Holy cow. Of the six, five have been better for sure, right? Bam, Tatum, Embiid, Giannis, Durant, better than Sabonis, no doubt. Not knocking Sabonis to say that. Those guys have been ridiculous. So to have him on there, to say that he's getting the recognition and being popular is great. His most recent game, career high in points on a national stage, even though his team got thumped, people probably think highly of him for that game. And honestly, 
that game might have leapfrogged him over Brogdon for me in my own head of of who's been the best pitcher this year and who's more deserving of the all-star spot. So the optimist take is like, yeah, good for Zabonis. He's probably I, – I have maintained that he's more likely to be an all-star than Brogdon, even though I thought Brogdon has been better this year up until as recently as <laughs> uh, Wednesday. But, yeah, that's why I think you should think of fan vote. Zoom out and think this is not a talent ranking. This is not who's been the best this year. This is – a popularity contest of players in conferences and to be to be totally fair to the fairest extent the top three guys in the east front court kd Giannis, and Embiid, and the top three guards beal Kyrie, harden those are the best three guards and front court guys in the east this year right that's exactly right that's perfect right so if those are the guys who get voted your starters whatever five of those guys that's fine like that's not gonna matter in the west it's LeBron, Jokic, Kawhi in the front court, and Steph, Doncic, Lillard in the back court. That that's also fine, you know. Like it, the, it's only for starters. This is not for the whole team. Only the top five, whatever, matter. Like that, it's fine. This is fine. If something crazy gimmicky happens, maybe you change your tune a little bit. But again, then the coaches immediately come in and it balances out. So what? I think that there's no reason to get worked up over it. It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. I think it should be removed f- from the consideration because this stuff's built into contracts, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It's fun that guys get to participate, fans get to participate, and it's cool to see Sabonis get some national recognition. End rant. That's the last time I talk about that. I'll bring up fan voting, but probably just a glance over at where guys rank later on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you've had a great week. This week has been crazy long and stressful for me, but we made it. It's going to be a fun weekend. Jazz on Sunday. We'll be back Monday to break down Pels and Jazz games and look ahead at the coming week for the Pacers, see where things are at. It'll be fun. Stick around. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. And don't forget, today's episode brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana. 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com.